Welcome to the Living Through Heart podcast. I'm Donna Joy Asher and I'm an analytical hypnotherapist, a psychotherapist, a spiritual healer, a magnetic mind coach and a multi-award winning best-selling author. I believe that everybody is capable of creating whatever they want if they can just get out of the beliefs and stories in their head. This podcast is an audio blog of my thoughts as I go on a journey to heal my soul, surrender into my feminine power and to live from the present moment in heart. I hope you find it amusing, interesting, thought-provoking, touching, raw and inspiring. Hello, I'm Donna Jory Asher. Welcome to this 58th episode of the Living Through Heart podcast. Today I'm going to talk about something that I've been learning um, in my Tantra training that I'm really passionate about, um, and it's a couple's thing. So it's about polarity and chemistry within relationship. And we just spent two months studying couples stuff, and the first month was about healthy communication, and the second month is about intimacy um, practices and keeping the spice in the relationship. And the reason that I find this really fascinating and really interesting is still um, most people and myself included up till now, relationship was just kind of like a, a box ticking exercise where we're like, yep, got the boyfriend, got the girlfriend, got the wife, got the husband, whatever. Yep, tick, done. That part of my life is complete. Now I'm on to kids, career. And we don't actually consciously create the relationship. We kind of fall into it. It happens around us. We feel amazing. We tick that box. And then it just happens. And sometimes it happens well, and sometimes it does not. Um, but sometimes it could happen well if we were consciously creating it. And what tends to happen is instead we get this push-pull dynamic going on. Um, and people are normally attracted to somebody who is very different to them. And that's that attraction. Like we don't want to be, we're not attracted to someone who's the same as us. Sometimes we're attracted initially to someone who is a transmission of a part of us that we're not seeing. But then once we start to see it in ourselves, kind of like that chemistry dies because we're too similar. Anyway, we're too naturally similar. But what normally happens is that we're attracted to someone who's quite different to us. And then we start trying to change them to be the same as us because somehow we think that this is the right way to be. Our opinions are correct. What we think is correct. Our hobbies, we want them. Yeah. And what often happens, well, one partner will totally conform to fit into the other one's life. And their hobbies will become their hobbies. Their interests will become their interests. Their friends become their friends. And it's like um, Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride. Fantastic movie from a therapy point of view, right? She was a runaway bride because every time she got to the altar, a part of her essence knew that this wasn't right for her. It wasn't true for her. And she had just been conforming herself to become the same as this other person, to have love. But then she would run away at the altar. So we, well, one of all, well, first of all, we need to know who we are and what we want and what we need, and then resist the temptation to conform to the other partner and resist the temptation to make them conform to us and to make them become another version of us. And instead, within the container, like if we set up a conscious creation of a container of relationship, within that, be really interested in who this person is that we're with and allow them to have their identity and their shape and not feel threatened by the fact that they are different to us. And instead, when they're talking, when we're listening to them, to actually be trying to understand who they are, rather than what we normally do, which is coming up for ways to make them see what we see or to think what we think. And I've probably said this quite a few times already, but one of the, the best um, quotes that I heard from Chantelle Raven, the, the one of the ladies who's running the academy that I'm coming to, the Tantra practitioner training, 
as her dad told her that good listening is listening with the intent to be able to change your mind. So you're actually interested enough, not even to just to be listening to their different opinion, but open to them being able to change your mind. That's super listening, right? Because you've got active listening where you're actively listening and seeking clarification so you can understand them. But then even taking that further is being totally open to changing your mind, totally open to the flow of life and not fixed and not rigid in your opinions because that's where your identity comes from and your safety comes from. So we're attracted to somebody initially and there's that polarity, there's that chemistry, we get into the relationship. Um, look, there's always also the push-pull dynamic because uh, there's many different facets to this being attracted to the opposite polarity of who we are. There's the masculine versus the feminine polarity, which is what I'm going to talk about today because that's a very healthy polarity when it's done right. Then there's the anxious versus avoidant polarity, which is an attachment style wounding, which is actually our woundings, which is not a healthy dynamic. Uh, and that leads to a lot of push-pull dynamics, a lot of like the anxious, the love addict, addict chasing the avoidant who's like, oh, stay away. And then the love addict's like, well, fuck you, I'm off over here. And the avoidant's like, ooh, they seem so much more attractive now that they're not smothering me with their energy. And then you get this whole like this dance and there's always this, oh, this like, this like always this heart like, like you, you go through these moments of amazingness within that, like, oh, they want me, they love me. Ooh. And then you go through these moments of devastation, right? And that's not healthy because <laughs> it's all to do with our inner child and what they needed that they didn't get that we're now playing out in relationship. But there is a very healthy polarity that can be had between the masculine and the feminine within relationship and within ourselves. It's not so much that we need to maintain polarity within ourselves, but the actual healthy dynamic of our relationship with ourselves. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the dance between the masculine and the feminine. So what am I talking about, masculine and feminine energies? So we are pretty much run in a masculine world, and this is the modern culture that we're in, the patriarchy. Um, it's the doing, the achieving, the validation, the successful. You need to be this. You need to be that. That's a very masculine thing. And the, you think about the, the primitive, like the male, the hunter, the predator that goes out catches the kill, brings it back so that everyone can survive, right? They're very single focused. They're very goal orientated. And then they get their reward, their sense of validation from being able to fulfill what they need to do so that everybody else can praise them. And they're so amazing. And like the, you know, the breadwinner, bringing home the money, providing for the family. And that's where they get their, their validation from. Um, a very mature masculine can is also a space holder. They don't judge. They just hold space. They can create this container of non-judgment and allow people to show up and be what shape they are without trying to fix them. So that's a big masculine, a big immature masculine where the immature masculine will try and fix people and often will, will give unsolicited advice and it drives women crazy, right? And I don't know if you've ever seen um, Google, it's not about the nail. This is a hysterical movie that someone did, which is just shows the difference between the men and women, the masculine and the feminine. Um, it's not about the nail where the woman's got all these issues she's going on about. And there's a very obvious logical problem. And the man's just totally focused on problem solving her problem rather than listening to her and just being there for her. The mature masculine can just listen and be there and not try and problem solve uh, unless he's asked or unless it's obvious that his help is needed, but then not come in forcefully, but to be able to, you know, say, would you like some help with that? And here's what we can do just to take over and sometimes it's nice to have a masculine come in and just 
um, sweep you up and, and, and make everything okay, right? But then sometimes it's just freaking annoying because you're actually capable of doing it yourself. And as a woman, we have our own masculine energy. We have our own doing energy. Um, and, you know, it's the balancing within us of the masculine and the feminine, which I'll talk about in a second too. So the masculine is the doing energy, but it's also the space holding energy, the presence holding, the allowing, the non-judgment. Uh, and that's like the divine masculine, like the Shiva. The feminine is the fun, the creativity, the flow, the spontaneity, you know, all this beauty, the beauty, all the stuff that comes into life from the feminine. And she gets to turn up and change her mind and she's like water. So the, the masculine is creating this container and then the feminine is coming in and creating everything within it. So when we're talking about our own individual union um, within ourselves, the masculine giving the feminine what she needs, the feminine giving the masculine what she needs, and often this is a part of our growing up journey, is that our masculine and our feminine energies within us are modelled off our primary caretakers when we were children. And often they themselves may not have had a healthy transmission of masculine and feminine energy. So we end up within ourselves. Um, for instance, I was very heavily masculine um, through my whole marriage, through my whole life, right? I got my validation from um, achieving, from beating the boys, you know, um, from a therapeutic point of view. And I've never actually discussed this, this with him. So this is just my um, my opinion, could be wrong. I feel that my father probably wanted a son and didn't have one. And I was the youngest child. Um, I was, and I was like set up to compete with the boys. And he used to get probably even more satisfaction out the fact that his girl was beating the boys than if he had had a son, right? And I was always rewarded for that. And so that set me up into a pattern of going into male dominated things, dentistry, military. I mean, when I went through dentistry, there was eight of us in my year, eight women in my year in, in all of Queensland. And then what do I do is I go and get a scholarship in the Air Force. When I came out in the Air Force, there was uh, three female officers at the base I was posted to and all men, right? Always had male, you know, either male bosses or women that were very in their masculine as bosses. Um, and I was always like uh, having to be better, having to do this, having to do that, having to achieve this to get my sense of satisfaction and, and my own self-love. And my feminine was just squashed. I mean, sure, there was moments of creativity, but even within that creativity, the masculine was like cracking the whip. Like when I was um, heavily into writing, and I'm not saying I'm not going to come back to writing. I, I do want to come back. I've got a trilogy I've started, but I also know that this journey I'm on now, that when I come back to the right, it's going to be so much richer because I'm going to be doing it from my creative space. But when I was writing, I can remember it was like, I had to be this many words a day and I had to be like, I, had to, I could knock a book over. Um, you know, I could, when I really focused, write a 60,000 word book in a month. Did I enjoy the process? No. The feminine side of me was crushed. She wanted a break. She wanted to have fun. She wanted to go out and play. She wasn't allowed to. She'd just sit in the computer and be creative, right? So even when I was being creative and in my feminine, I was being very masculine around that and really squashing her, which is pretty much, you know, um, when I look at my relationship growing up, what happened to me? You know, I had this moment of like, when I wanted, I, I expressed and um, announced joyously that I was going to be a fashion designer and I was just squashed like a bug and like pinned down until I basically submitted um, and went to uni and got a good career and a good job. And here I am now, not in that career and job anymore, um, only a, a jewelry making business um, and like seeking creative outlets in my life because I'm finally coming back into my feminine. 
So the feminine is the flow, she's the fun, she's the creativity, she's the intuition. So when we're too much in our masculine, we're in our mind. We're focused, we're in our mind, and we lose access to our intuition, uh, which is when we're in the flow and we just know, you know, we know what to do next. And it all makes sense, right? And it may not make sense to somebody else, somebody else who's very uh, structured and logical, but what we're doing makes perfect sense to us. And it's where we get our joy and our fun from. So within ourselves, we need a 50-50 healthy feminine masculine energy. The feminine needs to be able to come out and be creative and be intuitive and play. And the masculine needs to support her within that, you know, saying, okay, well, we actually need to get this done so that you can do that. And it's this healthy balance. When we come to relationship with our intimate partner, and girls, you can throw rocks at me if you want to, but I know this from personal experience. I was very much in my masculine for the 25 years marriage I was in, and it killed the relationship. Now, there was two to tango, so I'm not taking 100% responsibility here. But I know that if I had been in my feminine, the way I am starting to be able to become now, and, you know, we're taught that being in our feminine is weak. It's not. Feminine power is very fucking powerful because we're allowing ourselves to be who we are in that expression and within that, we know what we want and we need, and we can expect to be a priority. We can show up in that, right? But we can also like allow ourselves to have what we want and to have fun and to like to be in flow. It, it's being in your feminine is super powerful. We are the intuition. You know, we are the inspiration. You know, if you think about all the muses and stuff, it was normally based around women. We create. Not that I have personally done this, but we create life in our bodies. I mean, what is more fucking powerful than that? Being able to create a life in your body. So don't think the lie. Don't, don't, don't buy that lie. You know, we have been put down and we have been through words and culture have been led to believe that being a girl is a weakness and we're not as good as a man. And, you know, don't be a girl. Don't be a big girl. Don't cry. You know what? It's actually fucking powerful to have our emotions. And there is nothing more attractive to me than being out and watch a strong man own his emotions and fucking cry about something. I think that's hot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want, I don't want a guy who's just always weepy and crying, right? But a guy who can actually fucking go into something and own it and cry and express and then, and then own who he is, that's fucking hot, right? So... And, you know, our, our, our body parts have been used as defamatory words. You know, don't be a pussy. You're a And I apologize to anyone who doesn't like the C word. Um, and we will probably beep that out in this video and cover it up. But it's true, right? The C word is like, I used to hate it. Everyone used to, I was like terribly offended by it. It used to be an actual name that was able to be used for our female, part of our female genitalia, right? And there's all these words that have been used and look at the masculine as well. Like, you know, there's words like you know, dickhead, things like that. So it's not just the female that's copped it in the patriarchy. And, you know, if, if I'm going to be totally honest, working with men a lot has actually given me appreciation for how they've been impacted as well. And actually coming into a stage now where women are coming back into their power and men are still lost. They don't know how to be. But because women are coming into their power, but in their masculine, right? Um, and we need to get back into more of our feminine to make the space for men to be in their masculine and to know how, who they are and how to be. So that's the difference between the masculine and the feminine energies um, and the fact that being in our feminine is actually a really powerful thing. So 
when we come into relationship, if we came into relationship like I did in my marriage, in my masculine, then it sets up a competition. Who's got that masculine power, right? And what ends up, ha- what ends up happening is the female brain is wired differently. And it, this is actually proof, right? There's actually some connector between the left and the right hemispheres of the brain that the man is lacking. Scientifically, I've been told this. Um, and it allows the difference between the female to be able to multitask and the man to be single focused, which is what was necessarily it, right? The man had to go out, he had to hunt, he had to kill, he didn't need to be single focused. He didn't need to be thinking about the kids and about the this and about the that, because that might get him killed, right? He might not see the predator coming to get him. The woman was back at the camp, like making sure that the kids were not in danger, making sure that food was getting cooked, keeping things organized. She's got a finger in every pie, right? So when a man is not upholding his end of an equation in a relationship, the feminine, the female, sorry, not the feminine, but the female will flow in and pick it up because it needs to be done. And it's just one more thing, one more ball she's got in the air, right? But she'll resent him for it. And it'll be her masculine that's doing it. So the more the man is not standing, like upholding, like, the male energy, the masculine, but also the doing and and doing what he has like within the structure of this relationship, his role, right? The more he is letting the ball fall, the more she will be picking it up. And she'll be resenting the fuck out of him for it, but doing it anyway. And me, I was getting a power trip out of it. Like if I'm totally honest, my secondary intention behind allowing it to happen was that it made me feel like I was in control, but gave me that control, right? I was in control of everything. And that made me feel safe. Did it make me feel cherished and adored? No. Did it make me feel special and important? No. Because I couldn't rely that things were going to get done and I had to do them. I couldn't rely that when my birthday came around, it was even going to be remembered, let alone made special. And, you know, that, that, that's not okay. But I allowed it to be okay. So that's my responsibility. So if I had been in my feminine when I had first met my ex-partner when I was 24, right, and I was still very heavily in my masculine, I was a dentist in the military, just left home. Um, and I was showing up in all of my valid, like, you know, in all of my glory for what I was capable of, seeking love that way, thinking that my worth came through um, how I was able to do things. And if I had been in my feminine, a couple of things would happen. Well, one, the relationship wouldn't have lasted long. Two, I would have left the space for my ex to be able to move fully into his mature masculine. And, you know, he didn't get that chance. Whether or not he would have taken it up on it, well, that's whether or not the relationship would have lasted very long. Or three, I just wouldn't have attracted him in the first place, right? I wouldn't have attracted somebody else. I would have attracted someone who was strongly in their masculine to me. So it's owning that creation, you know, instead of sitting around and like crying about how I didn't get what I want, owning that I fucking created that. But also seeing the beauty of the journey and what it's led me to be able to to see in myself and to learn about myself. Which brings us back to in relationship to keep the polarity and to keep that chemistry and that initial chemistries that are alive. You need to consciously work at creating and keeping this structure of the masculine and the feminine energy together. 
So does that mean that within my own business, I have to have an 80, well, we talk about 80, 20 relationship, right? In relationship, I should be showing up 80% in my feminine, 20 in my masculine, which means I can hold space for my partner. And I can take action within relationship with needed, but I also am allowing him to do it, allowing him to be the one that is doing stuff and not criticizing him, not making it have to be the way I would do it, which is what happens often, right? And I, and I see that in my patterning of the old, like if something would happen, if it wasn't as efficiently as I could do it, I would take over and go, oh, here, let me do it. I mean, what sort of message am I sending when I do that, right? Or what sort of message did I send when I did that? There would have been, um, you know, there was resentment towards me as well for the lack of control that he had. But then when I would offer to give back the reins, he would deny it, decline it, and didn't want to do it. So then that was our dynamic, right? So when I turn up in 80% my feminine and allow my man to be 80% his masculine, then I'm taking care of myself within my own relationship, but I'm also being taken care of. I'm allowing myself to be adored, to be cherished, to be important. And I'm actually asking for it. I'm asking to be that priority I'm, and I'm expecting it. And if I'm not getting it, then I need to re-look at it, have more conversation or leave. I'm not getting what I want. But I'm also allowing him to be respected. I'm respecting his masculine. And if I can't, like if I'm in a relationship with someone and I really just cannot respect their masculine, right? Well, I shouldn't be in a relationship with them. I, want to, I need to be in a relationship with a strong, a strong masculine because I'm a strong feminine and I've also got a strong masculine, right? I need a strong masculine that I can respect, that I, I can be proud of, that I, I can like support and allow myself to receive, which has always been a problem in the past, allowing myself to receive because I thought I had to do it all by myself. And what happens when we have this dynamic of this masculine and feminine is that chemistry that is there initially is maintained because that initial chemistry between the male and the female is still there and the feminine is getting to show up and she's being everything the man does not have. And he wants that. And then the man is showing up and he's being everything that she is not, that she doesn't have, and she wants that. And it's this very, and and initially it's, a thing that's there, but then it has to become a conscious thing to keep it, to keep that mutual respect, to keep that mutual shape, to allow this chemistry to be there of the masculine and the feminine, with the feminine not killing it, because it's often the feminine that will kill it, right? Because she's been taught to be in her masculine in this culture, in this society, at school, by her parents. You know, you got to go to school, you got to study hard, you got to get a job, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's all masculine energy, and we've been taught to be in it. And it's tricky to pull back from that because we're taught that that's like the right thing to be and that's the good thing to be, to, to be able to pull back and allow the masculine to have that role while our role is much more fun, much more flowing. Sure, there's still housework and stuff that needs to get done and our masculine needs to be within that, but we get to show up in relationship and be our own shape as well. We don't just have to conform, which is what tends to happen. So if we bring our 50-50 union within ourselves into relationship like that, we end up with this 50-50 union in relationship, we just become really good friends. There's no chemistry. There's no desire. There's no craving. There's no like juiciness in the relationship. If we come into a relationship in a masculine, which is often what happens in the feminine, comes into the masculine, then 
eventually they will be just like, you know, magnets into the magnets. They will be repulsing each other. There'll just be zero chemistry at all. So even friends can have, you know, fun together, but you end up getting to a point where with the, if the woman is too heavily in her masculine or the man is too heavily in his feminine, where there's actually just repulsion there. You don't want to be touched. You don't want to be intimate with that person. But when we can carry the 80-20 in where he gets to be in his masculine 80% of the time and his feminine, she gets to be in her feminine 80% of the time and then in her masculine 20%. And it's that whole yin-yang. That's what that's about, the yin-yang. Uh, with the the white with the little black, black with the little white circle and the way the two fit together, the masculine and the feminine coming together. Then the chemistry is maintained. The desire is there. And that's why women's bodies are different to men's bodies. Like we're all soft and squishy and we've got breasts and we've got hips and they're all like hard and angular. It's the difference that we're attracted to, right? Don't get me wrong. Yeah, sure. Some people are attracted to same-sex bodies and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there is, but I'm just talking about the difference that we're attracted to. So when we get into relationship, the last thing we need to be start doing is trying to force our partner to be just a cardboard cut out of ourselves to make ourselves feel safe because then we will no longer desire them because we don't desire ourselves like that, right? And that's what tends to happen. We get into relationship and then we immediately start undermining them or trying to force our opinions on them, trying to make them be like us or trying to have our interests or trying to be this or trying to be that because we want to feel safe and we want to feel like if they're the same as us, then that makes us feel good about ourselves, Right? So we need to resist that temptation and allow them to be their own shape and respect them as a person, as we want to be respected as well. And then consciously create that chemistry. Go out of the way to make intimate practices, to have intimate time. Don't just allow it to be something that happens because the busier life gets, the less it will happen. And, you know, we spend our, like, all this time trying to get into relationship. And then once we're in it, we don't spend the time keeping that fire alive, keeping that passion alive. We just kind of like when it kind of dies out, we're like, oh, well, that wasn't right. But that, that fire can be rekindled. When you can look at your lover and see the person that is in there and appreciate them. And, you know, the other thing that happens when we try and make them be a cardboard cut out of ourselves is that they become this static thing. We're not actually seeing them. We're not actually understanding them. We're not curious about them. We're not curious to know what they think. And we're not realizing that they are continuously evolving, that every day they're a new shape. Every day there's a new thought in their head. We're not actually interested about them or who they are. And when you're in a relationship and that person's not actually interested about you and who you are, that's very soul-sucking. And I know from personal experience. I was just meant to be the cardboard cutout. And when I wasn't, it was like he was unhappy. And, you know, if if um, his view in our relationship is probably that he had a wife that didn't love him, a wife that didn't want to be with him. But I was different and I was not appreciated and I was not celebrated in my differences. And I didn't want to just sit on the couch every night watching telly, having the same opinions as him. And he had no desire to really, really be curious about me and get to know who I was. You know, when we first got together, sure, we were more similar. But 25 years on, it's a lot of growth that's gone on. I changed a lot, but I was still in there for that relationship. But, you know, it just got to a point where not only are you not being supported, but the competition between the two of us because I was in my masculine, 
uh, and the and the fact that I had the control in the relationship meant that for him to feel like he had some sort of control in the relationship, it had to be putting me down and finding things that were wrong with me and things that I'd done wrong. And I allowed that. I created that. Where, you know, any point in time when I think about it, I mean, towards the end, maybe not, but at any point in time, if I had have had the knowledge that I had now and if he had been open to actually doing this well, right, because it takes two. And the stuff you go into it, it's not, you know, it's not a fucking walk in the park. It's painful sometimes going into yourself like this and to own it, right, to be able to have this freedom. But, my God, is it worth it? So you need to consciously create your relationship and make time for intimate practices and it needs to be a priority, date nights, temple nights, and then actually put time and effort into those moments and don't even just let them happen. Okay, so we've set this time apart. And then, uh, actually, as a masculine, set something up, surprise her as the feminine, put some effort in, you know, Wear beautiful clothing, feel beautiful. It's about how you are as well, how you show up for yourself in your life and then you show up for your partner like that. It's not just about doing it just for them. It's about doing it for you as well. Put effort into yourself in who you are and then bring that into the relationship. And, yeah, spice some stuff up, you know. Talk about what you want and need. Be honest about what you want in the bedroom. And... Be open to the fact that maybe there is an incompatibility there. And then if one person is to compromise, it's actually not going to be in their best interest. It's not going to be true to them. Because that's the other thing that happens in our box ticking exercise. Once we get the security of that relationship and that box, we don't want to leave it. We don't want to leave that container because it's scary. And what does that mean about us? And, you know, from us to go from something that's actually not satisfying us and not fulfilling us to something that is, there has to be that moment of nothingness in between. Because there has to be the flow from one state to the other. And when people just jump from one thing to the next without that in-between state, then all they've got is another version of the same. They haven't changed the energy of who they are to bring in the energy of what they want. They're just attracted in more of the same. And they may think initially, my God, this is amazing. But if they thought back to what their first, the relationship that they just left was like when they first got into it, they would remember that that's how they felt in that one as well. And instead they have more of the same. And then they're like, you know, they don't start to take any responsibility for that and actually being about what they're calling into their field and who they are. So for us to go from being in something that we're not satisfied and we're not happy and realizing that it truly is incompatible, right? And we've called that in through the energy of, of often our wounding, like our, our like um, attachment style woundings and everything. For us to go from that and to flow into something where we are exactly, where it is exactly what we want. And, you know, to consciously create that, to work out what we want and to hold the vibration of how that would be, how that would feel to have that and to be calling that into our being, there has to be that moment in between. And you have to be willing to go through that. And you have to be willing to sit in it alone and not to cave and go back or just take whatever, just to make that pain go away in that moment. But to be responsible for that and to go in, work out what you need and to give it to yourself and then to keep traveling through that until you can get to the point where you actually are the person who can receive what it is that you want. Because quite often we're after something that we actually can't receive if it turns up. That can we receive unconditional love? 
not normally. Can we be seen? You know, so many of us who are um, anxious attachers just want to be seen. And yet when someone shows up and sees us, we run away because that's scary. Because what does that mean? What does that mean if someone sees us and then doesn't want us? Just backs up all of those beliefs that we have about ourselves. And that's too painful. So we just won't allow it to happen. Anyway, I have once again lost <laughs> my track. I think I've said everything that I want to say. <laughs> Consciously create a relationship. Don't be scared to be in your feminine. Don't be scared to be in your masculine men. Um, show up for yourself first. Give yourself what you need first. It's like put the oxygen mask on first, right? Then bring that into relationship. Allow your partner to be their own shape, to be their identity and be totally curious about that. Be fascinated by them. And then consciously create moments of intimacy and connection and turn on. And when you've, when you've set that time apart, I was saying, you know, make sure you create something, but the lead up to it, the play of it, you know, that's all part of the lead into it. This is how we maintain the chemistry in our relationship. This is how we maintain that polarity. And this is how we, you know, keep things exciting and fun. Now, is the relationship you're in going to be the one that's forever and ever? Is it the Cinderella story? Who knows? I mean, I'm getting to the point now where I realize that relationship is really there to allow us to evolve consciously and spiritually. Because when you're in a relationship, your shit gets trudged up fast. And it gives us a chance to look at stuff and it gives us a chance to go into stuff. And is, is the person that you're with, the person that you're going to be with once you've moved through the stuff that they're triggering up, Maybe not, unless they're also moving through their stuff as well. So that story, that lie that we've been told through marriage and that, that, that oath that we make, why? So that we, you know, are tied to someone that we're desperately unhappy with by the time we're 50 or 60? But does that mean that we shouldn't work in our relationship? No, it means that we should work at our relationship because that is where... We learn so much about ourselves. But we should also and foremost be working on our own relationship within ourselves. Okay, it's enough for me today. I hope you got something out of that. Um, as always, if you want to know more about this, just reach out to me, you know, Donna at DonnaJoyAsha.com. Um, you know, I'm, we're going to be launching some stuff very, very soon. I'm starting to work with a friend of mine and we're brainstorming at the moment. We have so much between us to share. We're not quite sure how this is going to come out, but we're going to be running some workshops. Um, and we're thinking maybe on this whole, like, you know, just a state of how to be um, an initiation and, you know, coming into self and empowerment and things around that, things that we're pretty both pretty passionate about. Okay, so have an amazing day and I will see you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Living Through Heart podcast. To find out more about me and Living Through Heart, check out DonnaJoyUsher.com and LivingThroughHeart.com. There you'll find links to everything you need, including some free tools to help you and ways you can work with me on your own soul healing journey.